Harvard Divinity School. Walking Through the Twilight, a visual exploration of contemporary Jewish anti-occupation activism, April 12, 2022. Welcome. My name is Atalia Omer, and I'm a professor of religion, conflict, and peace studies at the Keough School of Global Affairs at the University of Notre Dame's Cork Institute for International Peace Studies. I'm also the Dumphy Visiting Professor of Religion, Conflict, and Peacebuilding at Harvard Divinity School's Religion, Conflict, and Peace Initiative, which is a part of the Religion and Public Life Program. It is in this capacity, and together with my colleagues, Hilary Rantisi, Professor Diane Moore, and Rima Tassi, that I have the honor and privilege to introduce and moderate today's event, which is the sixth in our Religion, Conflict, and Peace Initiatives Spring Semester Series, titled Disrupting Injustice and Promoting Moral Imagination in Palestine, Israel. Last Tuesday, we featured a conversation between Professors Nura Erekat and Marshall Gantz, titled Decolonizing Now, a conversation about radical imagination and justice in Palestine, Israel. Next Tuesday, we'll be featuring Rabbi Brandt Rosen, who is a Topol Fellow at the Religion, Conflict and Peace Initiative. Rabbi Rosen will, be, will present his thesis on the colonization of American Judaism as manifested in the celebration of Yom HaTzma'ut, or Israel's Independence Day. He will discuss this topic with, with me and Professor Daniel Boyari. Before I turn to today's event, a brief word of housekeeping. Please feel free to post your questions in the Q&A box, not the chat. This event is being recorded and will be available shortly on our website for future viewing. Please do use the chat to communicate technical difficulties should they arise. I am coming to this webinar from South Bend, Indiana, so I acknowledge my presence on the traditional homeland of native peoples and particularly the Pokagon Potawatomi who have been using this land for education for thousands of years and continue to do so. Today's event is titled Walking Through the Twilight, a visual exploration of contemporary Jewish anti-occupation activism, and is featuring a conversation about Matty Milstein's photographic exploration of contemporary American Jewish activism in solidarity and co-resistance work with Palestinians against the Israeli military occupation. Matty Milstein is a fellow in the conflict and, and conflict and peace at the Religion Conflict and Peace Initiative, um, which is the program featuring this uh, event, sponsoring this event. Mati has over 20 years of experience as a documentary photographer and photojournalist, and is also now serving as media and communication director at Adala, which is a Palestinian-run center focused on human rights and legal struggles of Palestinians in Israel. His work, as per his own description, has long been driven by a solutions journalism approach, utilizing photography and documentation as a catalyst for justice and change. His previous photographic projects have sought to raise awareness of community and individual activism, highlighting the intersections of race, gender, social equality, and justice in Palestine, Israel. Uh, uh, Nasaiya, 
which is one of his projects documenting Palestinian women activists in the West Bank, was featured in a solo exhibition in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Black labor exploring the role of ethnicity in the makeup of Israel's border police was recognized with a third place award in the editorial conflict category of the 2016 Moscow International Photo Awards and was highlighted in the scholarly work of James Eastwood. Under, under control, a timeline of Israel's grip on Gaza is a retrospective collection of images exploring Israeli state control over the Gaza Strip, featured in the progressive faces behind the cases, an ongoing project shot for the Adala Legal Center, utilizing, again, photographic portraits and first-person narratives to tell the story of Palestinian struggles. Um, is, has ex, uh, this has exhibited in Haifa and Nazareth. In 2014, Mati spoke at United Nations headquarters in Geneva with Eman Muhammad, a Palestinian photojournalist from Gaza, on the personal and societal impact of conflict photojournalism. So walking through the twilight, the topic and the title of today's event is Mati's Religion, Conflict and Peace Initiatives Fellowship Project, and we'll be hearing all about it. Uh, Mati will be joining conversation uh, with uh, Audal Hatalin, who is a Palestinian human rights activist and coordinator, coordinator um, of international volunteers in the village of Umm al in the South Hebron Hills region of the Israeli-occupied West Bank. He is also an English teacher, um, and most importantly, he is the father of Watan. He has been partnering with the Center for Jewish Nonviolence since 2016 and is instrumental to the work in his village and across the region. The Center for Jewish Nonviolence, violence, as we will um, um, hear uh, shortly, is a primarily Jewish diasporic effort to use the power of international Jews and their privilege as Jews and international uh, to resist together with Palestinians the occupation through nonviolent methods. Auda, who is featured in the documentary project, Walking Through the Twilight, spoke with Mati about the creation of new relationships and ongoing work with Jewish activists, a process that was initially met with some hesitancy in his home community. Next, we'll hear from Oriel Eisner, who is an American-Israeli Jewish activist from Denver, Colorado, based in Jerusalem with the Center for Jewish Nonviolence. He is also a Topol Fellow in Conflict and Peace at Harvard Divinity School's Religion and Public Life, and uh, with us, the Religion, Conflict and Peace Initiative. He splits his time between Jerusalem and the South Hebron Hills and works closely with Auda and others to coordinate the actions of Jewish activists in the region and implementing the Hinenu program, which brings American Jewish activists for extended stays in the South Hebron Hills. Uh, and finally, we'll uh, hear from Emily Glick, who is an American Jewish activist from Boston, Massachusetts. As a current Dorot Fellow and a graduate student at Hebrew University, she is based in Jerusalem and worked with both Oriel and Auda, coordinating the Hinenu program and other actions in the Southern West Bank. Emily is also a member of Activist Tills Photography Collective and is involved in communications work for All That's, All That's Left and the Center for Jewish Nonviolence. Uh, Mati, um, welcome. Let's begin with you. Um, perhaps you can uh, tell us a little bit um, how do you understand the project that you've now completed? Okay. 
Thank you so much, Natalia, for the introduction. Um, I, I want first and foremost also to really to give my deepest thanks and gratitude to the Jewish and Palestinian activists uh, who have really gener so generously let me into their spaces and communities over the course of the work on this project the past two years. This is your story primarily, uh, and I hope to tell it right. Uh, I wanna thank you Atalia for your guidance and the entire RCPI staff and fellows and Harvard Divinity School for providing so much support for this project. Uh, it's been a, a true privilege and a really amazing experience. Uh, so what is this project? American Jews have for a very long time been giving Israel a blanket of legitimacy that allows the perpetuation of the occupation and the Zionist project on both sides of the Green Line, in fact. Um, but now there's a generation of young Jewish activists working to submert, subvert this paradigm. So they are redrawing personal, political, racial, religious, and communal borders in direct solidarity with Palestinians. They're shaping a non-Zionist identity rooted in a Jewish approach to social justice and resistance to the Israeli occupation of Palestine. So the project I'm presenting here today uses documentary photography and interviews to chronicle this phenomenon. I'm hoping that this might become a more widely uh, and more importantly accepted part of the American Jewish tradition and narrative, and maybe a disruption as well of the Israel diaspora paradigm that we've long considered set in stone. So I really wanna open and get into this now uh, with a personal anecdote. In the winter of 1999, I had moved to Israel from New Mexico and was drafted into the Israeli military. Uh, one afternoon, I was guarding the main gate of the base where I was undergoing basic training. It was, it was really quite dark and cloudy and the winds were really strong. Uh, and a sudden gust of wind kicked up. And before I even realized what was happening, it, it actually ripped a flagpole out of the ground and slammed it down just a couple inches from my head. So by the time I reacted and, and turned around, all I saw was the corner of the Israeli flag settling onto the concrete. First thing I did was ask my friend who was there with me if he got a picture of what happened. And unfortunately he didn't. Uh, but then I imagined the newspaper headline about my death. American Jew drafted to Israeli military killed by Israeli flag. At the time, I just saw this as sort of a funny, ironic incident, but in retrospect, it's taken on more and more of a, of a symbolic meaning for me. Um, and not just for me, as I'll explain. The American Jewish community in which I grew up with uh, was saturated in Zionism. And I, I personally followed this pervasive influence to its ultimate conclusion. I, became one of the Israeli soldiers that we had mythologized and had seen held up almost as, a, as superheroes in our community. And I was, I was in 100%. Uh, but in the end, I was almost killed literally by a national symbol of the Israeli state. So the way this happened with the flag almost killing me was, was symbolic. Israel and its political ideology have devastated Jewish communities over the world since 1948. The American Jewish community itself has been so overwhelmed by Zionism that adoration and support for Israel has become the essence of what it means to be a good Jew. Uh, if you don't love Israel, you're a bad Jew. In many respects, uh, this has become our identity, uh, bulldozing over and disappearing so much else. One of the activists I interviewed for this project, Yael Kripcher, uh, grew up in an Orthodox Jewish community in Maryland outside Washington, DC. And she really summed up this point. Yael said, Israeliness was really sold to me as the peak of what it meant to be a Jew. The more proximate you were to authentic Israeli culture, the more Jewish you were. And speaking in a quite self-critical manner, she continued, my year studying in a settlement in the West Bank was the best year of my life. 
It was an incredible experience. It's where my Hebrew is from. It's why I speak with a much less accented Hebrew, which at the time was a huge deal. When Jewish Americans heard me speak Hebrew, they were like, this girl has made it. This girl is the kind of Jew we want to be. It's important to note here, uh, both in the context of military service and the desire for proximity to Israeliness, that these are the, the direct results of the socialization, socialization we received growing up. We never heard of the occupation. We we're never taught about the Nakba. We didn't even know Palestinians existed. They're simply disappeared from our landscape. So how did this project work? Uh, I connected with a group of diaspora Jewish activists who are mostly American, but not exclusively, uh, who work in, in the South Hebron Hills region of the Southern West Bank. Many of them are affiliated, uh, as Atalia mentioned, with the Center for Jewish Nonviolence in Jerusalem and the All That's Left movement. The Palestinians in the South Hebron Hills, like everywhere in the occupied territories, deal with constant ongoing Israeli colonialism, forced displacement, harassment, and violence uh, that comes both at the hands of the Israeli military and Israeli settlers. With their Palestinian partners, these Jewish activists are involved in, a, involved in a variety of different actions in solidarity with and support of the region's communities. And the other three guys here uh, we've already met uh, can speak to this much more directly. So I was living uh, in Haifa, way up north in the country. And basically I drive down with my cameras as often as I could to the South Hebron Hills area, specifically to usually to the village of Umarchel. Sometimes I'd stay for a day, um, but often I'd take a sleeping bag and a change of clothes and stay down for several days and nights at a time. And I'd listen to people and I'd take pictures. Uh, I'd take pictures of them working, of them killing time, uh, escorting shepherds, documenting, documenting Israeli settler and military violence, all the, the, the basic things that made up their day. Uh, and during the course of this, I started to understand a bigger picture of a community redefining itself through solidarity with Palestinians against Zionism. Um, great, thank you, um, Mati. Maybe uh, at this point you can um, unpack for us, explain uh, what is the title, Walking Through the twi Twilight? What does it mean? Uh, and yep. help you what you are doing. For sure. Uh, so you opened your book, uh, Days of Awe, Reimagining Jewishness and Solidarity with Palestinians, with an excerpt from a Yom Kippur sermon delivered by Skeld Bratt, who's a member of the Tzedek Chicago community. Uh, the sermon discussed, or the section of the sermon discussed the liminal period uh, between the Jewish holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Uh, Skeld said that this twilight is seen as possibility possibly day, possibly night, neither holy one nor the other. And yet it is time for creation. It is in this liminal space that I believe creation happens and transformation occurs. So on one of my first overnight shoots in the South Hebron Hills, I accompanied a group of Palestinian and Jewish activists documenting an Israeli military exercise on Palestinian farmland. Uh, it was almost completely silent that night when we were outside uh, in a very small, uh, uh, community of just a few structures. And the darkness is broken by just a couple of uh, bare light bulbs. And in the distance in the south, you can see the, the lights of the Israeli city of Arad. Uh, standing there, I immediately recalled the quote from Scout about twilight and what's made possible in that liminal time and space. So you wrote about this. Uh, Brad's Nidre sermon captures an insight that broadly animates American Jewish Palestine solidarity activists and other Jewish critics of Israel's occupation of Palestine. I focus on the process of reimagining Jewishness. So the path I myself didn't take 
at least not initially, and at least not when I was their age, fascinated me. So this is exactly what I did. I focused on the evolution or reimagining of Jewish identity by Jewish activists in the West Bank. Now, I want to say that I hadn't intended to become a part of this project. Uh, it was supposed to be a straightforward, straightforward documentary of photography focusing on the activists and how their activism impacted upon their identity as American Jews and vice versa. Uh, but I very quickly realized that the people who appear in this project and the people I was working this with on a, an ongoing basis are my people. We grew up in a lot of the same communities with many of the same experiences. Uh, I grew up and many others uh, like me grew up with a toolkit of certain predetermined binaries, uh, white versus Jewish, Arab versus Jew, pro-Israel versus anti-Semitic. Uh, but while shooting this project, actually I realized that I was documenting a process of development an evolution that I too was undergoing, even if I didn't initially realize it. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So I chose to start the, to present this project via digital exhibition uh, to make the, both because of COVID, but also because it, it makes the, the material and the, the project ex widely accessible as possible to people around the world. And I'll share the, the link to that when I'm done. Uh, I'm not going to walk you through the whole exhibition because I really want, uh, I want you to explore on your own, but I do want to give a bit of an orientation. So I'm just going to share, uh, share the exhibit right now. Okay. Um, so the first photographs you see uh, at the very top of the homepage is that moment on that first overnight shoot that made me think about Twilight. Uh, it was dark. Uh, in fact, a lot darker than it appears in the image. It was almost a, a time release image, although handheld. Um, so the photograph is soft uh, and the human figures in it, there's three human figures and they're blurred as they move back and forth through the darkness between the different sources of light. Again, we're in this very small uh, community right here of just three or four structures and the lights you see in the background are actually past where this military exercise is gonna take place. That's the lights of uh, Arad. Technically, perhaps it's not a perfect photograph. Uh, it leaves things a bit unclear, it leaves questions, uh, but the moment that I pressed the shutter here, I knew that this is the framing, both visually and conceptually, that I wanted for this project. Now, uh, below this uh, is footage of a workday in the village of Akkawani, uh, also in the South Hebron Hills area. It's a site where Jewish activists has, have been working with Palestinian residents and activists mostly in the creation of a community garden there. Uh, now there's another video on the site that shows uh, conflict and protest and confrontations with the Israeli military. And that video was shot with a GoPro camera mounted on a helmet. So it's very jerky, unstable, uh, with quick, edited with quick cuts, uh, unsteady. But I chose this for the homepage. So much of the work conducted by activists in the region, Jewish and Palestinian alike, is not action-packed. It's slow, uh, it's doing what the host communities need you to do. And it's often simply not that exciting. It's sometimes literally just moving rocks in the sun from one place to another. Um, it's a work in progress that requires a dedication of significant time. Nothing happens, almost nothing happens overnight. And it's really so slow process of change that uh, we don't see as immediately apparent, but only becomes clear over time. So that's really what I want to emphasize here, the patience and the perseverance of the people that I was documenting. Um, now I conducted a series of interviews with activists and you can get to know them a bit better on the, the people page. 
Um, and you might actually want to do that before exploring further into the site because you'll see faces that repeat themselves over throughout the uh, exhibition. Um, one section below the video, and you really get into the meat of the project. Uh, during the interviews I conducted and the informal conversations that occurred organically over the past couple of years, uh, as I was pouring over all that, that raw material, basically, I realized I was able to break things down into five different themes. Uh, these are central conflicts or dilemmas that people in the conversations return to again and again. Uh, so each of these themes is uh, presented with photographs and interviews, interview excerpts on five separate internal pages. Um, let's close that for a second. So uh, again, I'm not going to walk through each of the sections here, but I do want to briefly discuss a key reference for much of the imagery. Uh, that also speaks to a larger, more universal question, uh, uh, both on the personal and communal level of how we confront and relate to our personal pasts. So the moment I, I started shooting this project, so much of what I saw in front of me in the field on the ground that made me think of historic Zionist propaganda imagery. And I'll share a screen of this uh, so you can see what I'm talking about. Okay, you can see that? Excellent. So uh, there were certain themes prominent uh, in this imagery. Uh, and what I'll show you here um, on the left of your screen is a historic imagery uh, from various different sources, Central Zionist archives and sometimes some from individual photographers. And then the right are images from the project. Um, there are certain themes that were very prominent in the imagery, uh, militarism, labor, agriculture, and presence on the land. And these were prevalent in the creation of the new Jew identity as distinct from the diaspora identity of the diaspora Jewish identity that was so key to the formation of the then emerging Zionist and eventually Israeli ideal. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the intention of these activists now to create this visual connection, but as soon as I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. So I, I ran with it. Um, so we do see many of these same things, themes in the project's images. Uh, the new new Jews, if we might call them that, who appear in the project images again on the right are recreating many of these same themes. Uh, labor, agriculture, presence on the ground, uh, and even military-like movements and, and preparedness, but from a diasporic perspective with the aim of dismantling Zionist enterprise and demonstrating solidarity with Palestinians. <clears throat> Pardon me. So it's important uh, to emphasize here that these new images and this new activism have purposes that stand actually in, in polar opposite to the original intention of those who created the historic images and the national myths, uh, Zionist and Israeli myths, that these images were meant to reinforce and perpetuate. So we have a visual past that influences our present, and we also have a personal communal past that likewise informs where we are today and who we are today. So examining the disentangling of Zionism from Judaism or Judaism from Zionism means that there continues to exist a certain residual impact of that mo movement. It doesn't just vanish because we as individuals might move uh, beyond it. it. It remains there as part of our history. So the activists I spoke to in the framework of this project expressed a variety of ways in which they relate to their past, uh, as well as often the home communities, uh, our home communities that represent that past. 
Some of these included uh, a feeling of shame in a sense that uh, we should or uh, we bet it's best that we hide our past. Uh, alienation, proactive rejection, um, and sometimes even actually total disconnect from community and family. Uh, expressions of pain in varying forms are almost universal with everyone I spoke to. But much like the repurposing here of themes central to the imagery of the project, um, there was also discussion on how to reclaim these parts of the past that remained loved and comforting and important. There was discussion and thoughts about how to find balance and strategies to reduce pain that were expressed. Uh, how do we reintegrate elements of our past life experience or repurpose them into new developing identities that are much less binary and much less either or. Uh, so I just wanna finish up here um, and then we can move on to some questions into, into the three other guests. Um, the things we grew up with that gave us comfort, many of them were actually related to Jewish religious ritual and community customs and practices. Now, these are things that are inherently unrelated to Zionism, but which have been co-opted by it and are now perceived widely as symbols of it. So this has resulted in a clear discomfort and, and disconnect for many people. The trick now is how do we dis disentangle, untangle that and work to reclaim a Jewish identity that's independent of Zionism? Um, I expand a bit much more on this actually in the artist statement on the project website. Uh, but I think the project and uh, what we hear from the activists uh, gives a glimpse of how communities can be formed or reformed based on a social religious Jewish identity, uh, not dependent upon Israel Zionism, that's aligned and in solidarity with Palestinians in the joint struggle to shake off Zionism. So just to close, I want uh, to return to Yael, the activists that we started with uh, from the Jewish community in Maryland. We met at the beginning of the event talking about how she strove for proximity to Israeliness uh, as the best kind of Jew. And Yael explains where she is now. When you leave your community, there's a process of reclaiming and replacing. There are things that I have succeeded in reclaiming and can you to continue to strive to reclaim from my past. I feel really strongly about being part of an intentional people who love Judaism and impose a state and see Judaism as something that is so much greater than the Zionist project. It was quite a fight to find a way back to loving Judaism because it meant disentangling it from Zionism. For example, and it feels a bit silly and a bit clunky, but I make, I make a conscious effort now when I pray to try not to use an Israeli accent. I think back to how hard I worked to acquire an Israeli accent and what it symbolized to me at the time and think about where I am now and how, how hard I am working to uplift diasporic Judaism as a Judaism that is gorgeous and expansive and simply is mine. This small act feels to me like something I can do to stake my claim over Judaism that is not tied to the Zionist project. So I, I wanna leave it at that and thank you so much for the time and hand it back to Talia and bring everyone else in. Thank you, uh, Mati. Uh, uh, thank you so much for uh, unveiling uh, this project that will be available uh, for everyone to, um, to visit and walk through, uh, walk through uh, the twilight, um, as it were. I, I found it so interesting uh, that um, um, you close with um, um, with this quote that kind of uh, even though that that space of the twilight is uh, about disrupting binaries. In fact, um, what I heard in a sense is uh, we uh, instating a binary of the diaspora versus the um, 
Zion um, and uh, or Israeliness uh, or, or whatnot, which is something that uh, actually um, uh, leads me to uh, to ask a specific question: If we can uh, return to the um, uh, to that juxtaposed images uh, for a moment. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be shared here um, in a second. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we we, uh, we can stay um, on this image and um, and reflect. I mean, I I, I think that um, you are making such an important point, and uh, it's a it's so visual. This way, I, I wanted to return to uh, to this juxtaposition. Um, and so, if the one image uh, indeed embodies um, a kind of a settler colonial Zionist uh, propaganda, um, I mean, I, uh, with all kind of Orientalist tropes really uh, underpinning this image of supposedly a land with no people, and here you, you have the settlers. Uh, um, so, so if this one embodies the, uh, the, the violence, the settler colonial violence, the, the other image is trying to undo it, dismantle it. Um, and so my question, I want to invite you and maybe uh, some of the other um, participants uh, to reflect uh, to what degree this um, 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 kind of um, the embodiment, the, the one the one image um, that, that embodies the Settler Colonial Act and the other image that embodies the reclaiming of Jewishness as diasporic through this act of co-resistance to the occupation. Uh, to what degree, uh, where, where is history? Where is all the historical time, the sociological reality, the political realities that um, of, um, you know, of, of um, Israeli Jews uh, who don't have necessarily the, um, you know, the ability to, uh, you know, to, 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 to uh, reclaim a kind of a diasporic uh, space. Um, where does it feature in? Is it about erasure of history? Um, and uh, and what, 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 does, what, what is the role for you as a photographer? What, what is, how do you see the role of the camera and documentation um, in that, uh, in that process. So yeah, we can, I, I suppose, stop sharing for now the, the images and go back to the, uh, yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll speak very briefly about this uh, from the visual, from my perspective as a photographer and visually, um, and this is something that I've discussed as well, uh, this question specific with Oriel, so maybe then he can continue uh, with that. Um, I, I think for me, uh, the sort of the new binary that you, you mentioned as well, and the lead up to, your, to bringing in the historic imagery of diaspora versus uh, Israel, as well, it's very complex. There, there are people with family connections, also, both in the diaspora and both uh, and also in Israel. Um, and there's very little that's, that's black and white. There's nothing that's clear cut and sort of this renegotiation of identity and who we are and the different emphasis and importance we place to any given element of that of our identity. Um, I think that that nuance um, and that really lack of clarity um, is emphasized in this comparison of historic and contemporary images. Uh, if you don't have the context, uh, and if they were, you know, all wearing uh, different, you know, similar clothes, and I put all the photographs in black and white, it may be hard to tell what is from then and what is from now. Um, so it does. Uh, create, um, you, ne you need context, you need this nuance, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I think that, 
I can't just put up these two images and it turns everything on its head like as a poster on the street and be like, oh, okay, this is uh, what was before and this is the propaganda from now and this is the, from then and the propaganda from now from the other side, so to speak. Um, there's, I think, a lot of complexity in, in how we negotiate um, where we are and particularly for, for individuals and as a community coming from outside this land. Um, what, what, uh, we have a certain privilege, um, to come in essentially whenever we want and, and join the military or work as, uh, activists in solidarity with Palestinians. Um, and it's, uh, there's a lot of questions, uh, that, that come up, um, as well, re uh, regarding citizenship, uh, is a, a Jewish diaspora activists more effective as an activist in Palestine, Israel, if they take citizenship and can, can't be deported. Um, I, I think for me, just to, to, to finish up before uh, passing this on to Uriel, uh, it was important to me to make reference to the, to the history uh, so that it, it doesn't vanish. Uh, it's part of who we are and it's part, part of what led many of us to the point uh, where we are now. Um, and I always believe uh, that uh, however disturbing um, or, or symbolically problematic uh, parts of the past are, whether they're historic photographs or monuments in, in town squares in the United States to different things, um, they, they need to be preserved because they serve uh, a certain purpose and a role. So I wanted to take that, those preserved images and sort of flip them on, on their heads a bit. Um, no, I am. Um, um, this is very powerful uh, juxtaposition that um, um, in, in uh, and, and the question that it generated for me just to re-articulate is that um, um, it seems. I mean, also thinking about the camera and the lens. You know, what's inside and what's not in, <laughs> not within the um, uh, the prism um, is that um, that, that uh, uh, it's very clear that the subject of your work are. Um, the, the Jewish settlement and unsettlement, um, and and it does generate questions about kind of the historical um, realities and history, the role of history uh, that cannot be, um, you know, is are we talking about some sort of erasure uh, here that needs to be uh, also interrogated? If you also want to think about, you know, transformatively about the actual people who are there, um, so uh, maybe Oriel, if you want to jump in on this question on that uh, your understanding of or how you interpret the um, uh, the juxtaposed the images. Um, sure, happy to. Um, and to maybe say a couple of quick words just about where we are. Uh, the three of us are in Um Al-Khair, Auda's village. Uh, it was just Iftar about 20, 25 minutes ago. So Auda is now fed, but was fasting all day. and. Um, we're happy to be here, happy to be with you. Um, yeah, I think uh, Matthew and I have been in conversation about this project since it started, um, but I don't know that we talked specifically about these images or I saw them until the website. And it was really interesting seeing how, how close they are to each other in terms of what is, what is shown there. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really interesting to think about how this comes up, I think for myself personally, as an American Israeli with, with roots here, I was born here, my, half of my family is in Israel, half of my family is in the US. Um, what it means to be remaking identity 
in this land as someone with a, a sort of foot in both geographies, um, being in community with both Israelis who are doing this work and um, North American Jews primarily who are doing this work. Um, and I think uh, in many ways, it like in terms of the, the lived experience, and I'd be curious also for your thoughts, Emily, but it does feel like there's, there is an, an element of sort of taking on a collective project, I think in a way that probably doesn't feel so dissimilar to how early Zionists, early young Zionists came to this land and took on a collective project. Um, I have a lot of uh, doubts and criticisms about the way that happened and where it went, but um, that sort of collective effort, uh, it's, it was really interesting to see the visual parallel along and think about that, that historical parallel. Great, thank you. Um, welcome, Auda and um, Ramadan Karim. Uh, so um, I um, wanted to read uh, a, qu a quote that um, uh, appears in Mati's project and ask you to reflect um, on the quote. So you are quoted, Mati quotes you as saying, we respect all religions, we welcome everyone, and we would never tell anyone to take off their, their kippah or something. But to be honest, for many people, there are very negative associations with Jewish ritual symbols because of the settlers. The settlers have created a very bad impression for us of the kippah as they wear them during their attacks. So some of us still don't like to see this in the village. Um, so I, and this is the end of the quote. So I, I want to invite you to, um, to share what it has meant for you to work with Jewish activists and how you navigate the association of Jewish symbols like the kippah um, with violence. Uh, first, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be with you guys tonight. Even if it's just in you know, like a few minutes after the star, but I'm totally fine. <laughs> yeah, for me, like uh, all what you mentioned is okay now, but years ago it was you know, like a big problem. Uh, I think if you will ask me you know, like what's one of the one of the most successful things which we which we achieved here in the village, I will tell you that you know like we changed not only we you know, like we with our friends our partners we changed, you know, like big things, you know, like in the people's minds. So I remember years ago uh, uh, when, you know, like I started to be you know, like a human rights activist, I remember uh, some stories. One, one of them, you know, like my mom, one of the oldest people here, uh, uh, she told me how the like, what are these people are gonna do here? This is, you know, like, how, how come you wanna bring them and like, we have an idea and unfortunately, you know, like maybe here in Umakhir, it's just disappearing now, but it's exists in so many places. Uh, we used to think that anyone who is a Jew, this means that he's a pro-Israel. So like, if you are a Jew from wherever, this means you know, like that you are supporting Israel, supporting the uh, occupation, supporting you know, like destroying the houses, supporting all these things. Uh, but then you know, like uh, uh, we got uh, uh, to know that uh, our problem is not with the with the religions. Our problem with not is not with the colors or with the nationalities, uh, and all of this you know, like it didn't you know, like happen really quick. No, like it took years, years and years. And as I mentioned before, uh, uh, when we were working you know, like with 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 people, you know, like individuals and groups before. Uh, even you know, like we already started in that time, but the people from the Palestinians who join you know, like to work with them, you know, like just F you, 
just a few people. And they remember, even in like, I got criticized why I'm shaking hands with, with, with the Jewish people. Because like what the people you know, like got in their minds is wrong. So then you know, like, uh, I think uh, year by year, step by step, uh, uh, we changed that. And, and now we believe that uh, our problem, you know, like is, is, is not with the, with the Jewish, you know, like themselves, because this is a religion. And as, as we Muslims and they respect our religion, we should also respect the religion. And I'm really grateful, you know, like for, for the impact that the Jewish people here, you know, like uh, uh, they did, you know, like in, in like in my my people, my village, and uh, as as you see now, you know, like we are sitting together, you know, like in my village, and also there is another big group, you know, like Jewish people outside having iftar with the Palestinians, and even my mom, who in the beginning, you know, like we're against that. My mom now, if we spend a week without, you know, like without we get a visit from our, our Jewish friends, she will ask me what's happening, where are they? So I remember through, through uh, uh, coronavirus, uh, like all the people got stuck and we didn't get people here. I can't say that, you know, like uh, it's one of the, the hardest years here, honestly. So I'm happy that we got changed. Uh, I'm sure as, as there are so many things got changed in our minds, also, like we changed something, you know, like in their minds, and uh, yeah, to be you know, like totally clear and honest, the impression that the, the Jewish activists gave, you know, like to us, it's really nice, and and uh, it changed a lot. It's not you know, like about you know, like yeah, working days or like work here and there, you know, like it's. I think it's it's more deep. It's more deep, you know. So. Uh, I think now uh, it's not like before. Uh, all the people here, you know, like they have no problem with the with the with the uh, you know, like Jewish people, and uh, we're looking you know, like forward you know, like to to you know, like make this familiar. I mean, like the idea of Jewish people around, not only with with the people of Omar because we succeeded in this. We got blamed. We got criticized a lot. They say that we are spies and you know, like they said so many things, but now we, we succeeded in that and we are looking forward you know, like for all these places because uh, we totally believe now that our problem with the Zionists, it's not because you know, like not our problem with the, with the Jewish people or with the Christians. No, it's not about the religion anymore. Great, thank you uh, so much. Um, uh, Emily, uh, if we can uh, now turn to you. Uh, so um, I'll start with uh, yet again another quote from uh, Mati's um, uh, uh, project. Uh, so you are quoted as saying, so many of the Palestinian demonstrations we go to start with prayer. I feel that as Jews, we are so respectful of their prayer, but if we were to suggest holding mincha prayers before a demonstration, everyone would be like, geez, get over yourselves. Uh, it's because Judaism has been equated with Zionism in Israel, and that G's feeling is not towards the, the Judaism, it's towards the Zionism. It feels like a loss. We are stronger, happier people when we are grounded in our identities. In the U.S., a lot of the more religiously oriented Jews who are doing social justice work are doing it in the framework of Jewish community or God. 
um, out of a sense of something out there that is bigger than we are. It's important to say, this is the moral truth that I believe in, so I'm going to fight for it. So I want to invite you to unpack what you mean here um, and um, how do you see what you are doing, what you're engaging with part of as a form of decolonizing uh, Jewishness? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, it's funny to hear a quote of mine from about a year ago when Mati and I were living uh, here in Umulchar together and reflect on the ways in my own journey in which I've uh, changed in the past year, which I can say a bit more about. But I uh, came into anti-occupation work in Boston. I was part of If Not Now and did a lot of local organizing in Boston. And um, part of the framework that was really central in a lot of uh, the organizing I came into around this work was uh, we're both really clear on what we're fighting against. And we also have a lot of clarity on what we're fighting for. And I think that this vision of what we were fighting for came through in the community we were building. And a lot of this came in ritual. Ritual, We would have actions during the day and then gather for Shabbat services at night or for a communal meal together. And I felt really connected to this work through the community I felt I was building as part of it. And when I came here to start doing um, similar work, I found that this like uh, commu built community and the, the liberation I felt in it that like made me feel so strong in my identity was really rooted in Zionism on the ground. The Zionism is so many people's own liberation story. It's their, um, yeah, the way that uh, millions of people have found their uh, reimagined future, their community that they get to be a part of. And um, I, yeah, I got here and felt that there was uh, very little space to for me to replicate what I was uh, holding on to doing this organizing in the States on the ground here. And it um, what some of what Auda spoke to in his quote around like seeing settlers wearing kippot, the like visual harshness of being um, in the field here on um, a, a Jewish holiday or on Shabbat and seeing settlers come down with their talito or their kippot on is like a very, um, it, it erodes at my, my sense of feeling connected to uh, Judaism and the, the possibility that it'll ground me in this um, reimagined future of what we're trying to build here. So um, yeah, I think it, it is a, a powerful, a really, really powerful tool for me personally to root in the, the communal aspects of ritual and tradition and um, to bring that with us. And we're, I feel we're in an uphill battle bringing that to um, the ground here. I, I was just reflecting with Oriel on the way here on uh, this time of year last year, right before, or we were, we were, I was here right when Pesach started and when Passover started. And um, usually I don't eat bread on Passover. And um, in Umulcher, bread is a real staple in, the, in our diet. Um, so the first two days I was like, all right, no bread for me. And I was the only one doing it because uh, we were with a bunch of Israelis and a bunch of very secular um, 
Jews living here. And I only lasted about a day and a half before I started eating bread. And I am not halakhically observant. I'm not an Orthodox Jewish person, but I, I do find a lot of grounding in the ritual of these times of our calendar as Jews. And um, But it really felt so present to me that without doing it in community, it felt totally meaningless. And it's this, um, yeah, it's something I, I'm really in the throes of uh, trying to make sense of doing this work here. And it's a, yeah, it's an ongoing question for me. Thank you so much. And I'm glad that the survival instinct kicked in and you, <laughs> you <laughs> found nourishment. Uh, um, so, um, Oriel, let's turn to you with another quote from uh, Mati's project. Uh, so you are quoted as saying, what I do in my day to day, where I choose to go, who I choose to connect with, articulate a different version of what it means to be Jewish in the world. I think that the act of going into the West Bank and meeting with Palestinians, not to mention having multi-year friendships and joining in actions together and standing against the army together and being arrested together, even that first step is quite removed from what the dominant Jewish world tells you being uh, Jewish should look like and is and can be. And I think that's where the pieces connect to each other. It's that personal articulation of something different, of a different kind of Jewish being in the world. But it's not just about that personal transformation. It's about something that can create new political imaginations, new models for what it means to be Jewish. So uh, can you explain um, and, and further kind of uh, uh, offer more, more layers to this already multi-layered um, quote um, and, how, uh, and talk about how you see your work of decolonizing Jewishness in terms of political and social identities. Yeah, it's it is it's an interesting experience hearing your quote read back to you. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think for me, when I think about Jewishness, my Jewish identity, even the language I use, I I don't talk about Judaism as much. For for me, it's not as much about the experience of the ritual and the practice. Um, and I think it it has to do a lot with the political identity or social identity. Um, who you are in the world in that way. And I think that in the last years, as I've gotten more engaged in this work, in relationships with communities on the ground, um, doing Palestinian solidarity work, I think I've, I've come to find and, and feel the way in which um, the creation of the state of Israel and the, the history of Zionism has made uh, being Jewish something very particular something that is uh, aligned with uh, systems of power that is extremely oppressive. Um, and I can understand the places where it came from and why it came about and the, the historical meanings that it had and the reasons why it, it had those meanings and has those meanings. Um, but it feels not only incredibly destructive, of course, in so, so many ways, it's every single day is, is destroying millions of, the opportunities for millions and millions of Palestinians is, is making life as unlivable as it can. Um, but also I think for Jews and Jewishness in the world. Um, and I remember a few years ago, I read a book that uh, sort of chronicles pre-Holocaust Jewish life in Europe, um, particularly socialist communist Jewish life and the different strains that it had. And I remember one feeling and takeaway from, from reading that book it's called Revolutionary Yiddishland, was the way in which Zionism not only 
oppresses Palestinians every day, but also turns what Jewishness is in the world into very, very, uh, fits it within a very, very narrow definition. Um, so I think for me, it's about trying to both undo that on the personal level, unlearn that, unlive that, um, that sort of learned sense of the, what it means to be Jewish in the world is to support Israel, is to defend Israel, is to feel proud about Israel, um, find other ways to express, to feel, to be, to be Jewish on a personal level. But I think that project is also collective because the dominant worldwide collective mode of being Jewish is, is Zionist. Um, or at least institutionally speaking. Uh, so pushing back against that is also trying to change that to make it so that other forms of Jewishness are also at the table, are also shaping what's happening, not only because it is important to have more expressions of Jewishness, but because it's, again, harming, harming people's lives every single day um, and aligning itself with systems of supremacy, of power that are quite, quite problematic. Thank you, um, Oriel. So we have only a few minutes. Um, um, please feel free to um, uh, to uh, ask your questions and post them in the Q and A box. We have uh, one question that was um, uh, partly um, uh, engaged, but maybe uh, you can um, uh, continue to um, to unpack what you uh, understand how how you understand yourself in relation to this question. It's a question about um, about uh, what is kind of with respect to the complex geographies that many of us inhabit of being diasporic but also being Israeli, having relationships, family, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and so forth. Um, so we are not talking about when we talk about when when you say that you inhabit kind of a diasporic activist space, you, especially Oriel and Mati, you also are uh, deeply. Um, uh, rooted in the Israeli in, in the Israeli landscape, so um, so one of the questions, perhaps, um, to share with um, uh, with our um, audience um, is your uh, relates uh, to to the to the degree to which you also engage with uh, uh, or that you bring into that space um, of the twilight <laughs> um, uh, engagement with um, Israeli um, activists or Israeli Jewish Jewish Israeli activists uh, in that space of co-resistance to the occupation to the degree that the resistance to the to the occupation or apartheid or the settler colonial realities um, also connect to um, to other struggles within the, the geography uh, uh, of the space so um, so any kind of reflections from any of you on on this question I think will um, will illuminate the part that is perhaps not self-evident in those juxtaposed images right that we started with the conversation that of the image of the settler you know that the Zionist the old Zionist propaganda image uh, that also captured a moment and the undoing the dismantling of all the violence that it uh, entailed uh, but perhaps talk about how the complexity of histories and the different sociologies are coming to play in that space of co-resistance for you as um, uh, Jewish, uh, uh, in, in the process of, Jew of decolonizing Jewishness. I, I, I'd like actually to just say quickly um, from the, the perspective of the creation of this project and, and sort of the motivation uh, behind it, um, 
looking at, at the question of twilight and, and what happens there again. Um, during the course of the, of the work on this project, uh, I, I, my two children were born um, in this past October. And I had a lot of questions leading up to their birth and, and certainly afterwards, um, what kind of people are they going to be? Uh, what kind of world in education and socialization are they gonna grow up with? Um, and I feel like already it's an uphill battle. Um, I know from my experience, even as in the American Jewish community in the United States, and certainly for uh, kids that grow up uh, within the Israeli educational system, it's very clear cut the education we get and who we look up to and who our role models are and what uh, our aspirations are and what makes us good or not good. Um, and for me, um, sort of trying to pull that apart and deconstruct that, um, I wanted to, to, to put a light or more, more light on these alternatives, these people um, who are doing, from our community who are, who are doing something, choosing to do something very different, often with, with consequences uh, on the personal level. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about like, who do I want my kids to, you know, be babysat by when they're old enough? Um, and who, who, do they, who do I want to hear them, uh, have them hear from? and learn from. Um, and for me, uh, there's this constant, on the very micro personal individual level, there's this constant struggle to, to pull things apart uh, in a way that, that um, is likewise not invasive and not in, an imposition from above, but allows people the opportunity to simply see a much greater range of choice um, in terms of Judaism and how, in terms of how you relate to it. There's a vast, variety, a vast spectrum um, of expressions uh, and of, of the lives that we can live. Um, and, and I think part of this decolonization is, is starting to recognize that and give that a little more um, legitimacy within our communities. Um, and then obviously where everyone takes that is up to them. But um, this, this is a lot of, I think, the motivation that started the work uh, on this project. And it really increased as, as I went through it. Fantastic, because uh, it's not only about the juxtaposition of those images, but also about how the, and this notion of the twilight as new creation, as imagining of a future, which of course connects to our framing of thinking of the moral imagination uh, uh, with kind of concretely uh, in the context of uh, Palestine, Israel, and also um, other kind of Jewish geographies. Uh, because that's part of what the decolon de uh, decolonization or the decolonial term would entail. Uh, so uh, um, um, maybe any uh, final word from our friends in Umar Hayal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> thank you uh, all you like for uh, like inviting me to be here with you guys. Uh, I'm going to say you know, like something really important really quickly and you know, like I mentioned before, you know, like what what a change that we did here, you know, like about our our, you know, like, I mean, like who who are the Jewish people? What we were thinking about them and like how the thing is, you know, like became and they became you know, like part of the family. But I didn't mention, you know, like why. I mean, really quickly, we found people easily. We found people, like who who act for justice. People 
who throw themselves with us, you know, like in the middle of the conflict, even, even though they are not a Palestinians, but they care about us. We found people you know, like who, who, who live with us, who eat with us, you know, like share with us, you know, like our, our happy uh, events and also you know, like our, our sad you know, like ones, people who, who are with us, you know, like in the first line, you know, like resisting, you know, like the soldiers and the police and, and, and the occupation. People who believe that what's go what's what's happening here is totally wrong, and they do as much as they can, you know, like for us, you know, like to get to get our rights. So like it's not about that we only don't have problem with these people. No, like we really love these people who really care. Mm -hmm. So thanks. <laughs> This is wonderful. I mean, that I think that this is an uh, amazingly fruitful and uh, and crucial note to conclude this session uh, with, because it's not only about the, the what is that kind of um, making us uh, taking a stance with respect to what is wrong, the injustices, and that notion of core resistance, uh, but also what you describe, what you just captured um, with your words, is the friendships, the relationship, the uh, uh, the kind of you know what uh, Oriel spoke about, the sus sustained relationship over over years, um, and so um, so in that space, this is the twilight. Uh, of new creation because it's this is where the um, also the it's not only the negative of what is not the violence of the occupation the apartheid and so forth but also the possibilities um, of uh, new horizons this is where the moral imagination um, uh, is generated from uh, to think in different ways about the space about the humanity of of everyone so uh, I want to thank you all uh, for uh, being a part of this conversation. Um, it will be uh, available for future viewing and engagement. And please do visit the exhibit. Um, it's, uh, it's a real journey. So thank you, Mati, for producing this. Thanks to all of you. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sponsor Religion, Conflict and Peace Initiative. Copyright 2022, the President and Fellows of Harvard College.